Welcome to Luxuries for Your Soul with Alexis Kletchian and Lauren Gult. Every episode is a look at life through the lens of luxury, whether it's the dismantling of belief systems, pursuing our passions, or standing in our truth. We approach each conversation with genuine curiosity of what it means to have a well-lived life. Today's episode is all about the self. You may remember our conversation with Lindsay Hurdy, co-founder of Everwell, Seasonal Circle, and Self School, an intimate online classroom that creates supportive and inspiring containers comprised of small group for meaningful connection, intention, and decision-making, helping you move forward through obstacles or transitions to make big decisions with authenticity and confidence. Well, listeners, class is in session. Lindsay is back to share updates since our last conversation, along with a new self-paced option and masterclass, the five-step framework for thriving as a midlife mom. Our first 30 minutes are catching up with Lindsay, and then we flow into the original and popular episode that aired last summer for those that are just joining us or for our loyal listeners that want to listen for something new. Trust me, there are golden nuggets throughout. Before we begin, please take a moment to follow or subscribe to the podcast. It's the second best thing you can do to support us besides leaving your five-star review. We would also love it if you shared a favorite episode and tagged us on social media. And of course, join us in our Facebook community. There are lots of ways to connect in the show notes below. Enjoy this two-part episode with Lindsay Hurdy. And maybe I'll see you in self-school. I like this time of year. I like winter once we're in winter. I think the buildup is always hard. I'm one of these people who much prefers winter and summer because I feel like they're really clear destinations, mm-hmm. whereas spring and fall feel so transitional that sometimes I have a hard time settling in. Although I love the transitional, we need the transition. I like landing in the clarity of winter or the clarity of summer. And so now that we're here, In winter, I'm glad to be here. For you, what is the clarity of winter? What clarity does it bring? The cold, the gray tones. You're in New England. Mm -hmm. So it's icy, it's blue, it's gray, it's bitter, it's windy, it's wet. It's darker. Darker. (laughs) It's darker. The the daylight is, maybe there's a bit more gratitude for the, the light that there is. I think... I'm a big fan of retreating. Mm-hmm. And so I think winter is just, in New England at least, is nature's way of just saying, it's okay to be inside. It's okay to go inward. It's okay to cozy up. It's okay to go to bed early. It's harder to do that on those days where it's still light outside until 9 p.m. because I just think we're more programmed to want to be out there in the light and take it in. So I just think there's something about winter. The seasons, I think, as I'm getting older, keep being some of the greatest teachers in this life to me. Mm -hmm. It just, (laughs) it feels so corny, but I keep realizing again and again the value of what they're showing us. I think what I love about wintering, this concept of wintering, once I'm here, I kind of dread it leading up because it's, you know, <laughs> winter. Winter is coming, right? Yeah. 
Catherine May's book, I listened to it. The first time I read it, I listened to it on audio and I listened to it on December 26th, the day after Christmas. Okay. In a year of major transition for me, two years ago, I read it. It was a time when my business really made a giant transformation from being a brick and mortar space to switching to an online space. And a lot Mm-hmm. That one was because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And that was just a really hard time with internally people were changing their roles and people's passions, level of passion for the business had changed and mine hadn't. And so there was just so much. And I listened to this book on one day, the whole thing wintering on one day as I was dismantling Christmas. We always take it down the day after because we usually go up to New Hampshire um, into the mountains and for a few days. And so we kind of like to come back in the new year without the evidence of Christmas. And so (laughs) that's what we do. And taking down all these ornaments and lights and all of these things and listening to wintering and this idea of just giving yourself permission to retreat and that it doesn't really matter about what season it is. People winter at various seasons of their lives, but it just happened to have been winter and it just fit me so well because I was in such need of really getting small to figure out how I wanted to grow anew in the new environment that the world had made my business become. (laughs) I was just looking over old paperwork from, you know, the pandemic and how I spent my time and how I spent finances. And I pivoted towards education. It was the greatest expense Hmm. of everything. And that was interesting for me to look back. So I want to ask you, since we last spoke, what are you bringing into 2024? Well, I have to say, you, in our last conversation, you really inspired me to think a little bit differently about the way that I educate in this world. Because previous to that, I had been thinking a lot from the business perspective around how to market what I do. And I realized that the work that I do is sort of at the heart of it, is I help people become more self aware. They can lead their lives with more intention and find more meaning for themselves. And my signature course that we talked a lot about, self-school, was something that I only offered really once a year because it's a it's a big endeavor. You know, I want people to really be on board with it and I want to be right in there with them. And you can't really fake that kind of energy. You want it to, you want to build right. up to it and have it. But I realized that when people are ready to change and ready to grow, they're ready now. Right. <laughs> you know, when you've gotten yeah. to that point that you're saying, you know what, I'm, I'm ready for something new. You want to wait for an artificial deadline and it doesn't always sync up with the new year or right. a new school year. And so I was inspired by you to really go back to the roots of what I believe around this idea of evergreens and this perpetual growth. That's where part of what our name Everwell came from is, is being inspired by evergreens and how they remind me of women in general. And thinking about just creating my offering to be an evergreen offering that people can access it at any time. So from 
my perspective, you know, the boring part is that behind the scenes, a lot has to happen to make that happen. But I've made it happen now so that people can join this community and this experience within yourself when you're ready. So I'm so thankful to you for saying, I just wish it could be self-paced. And, you know, you sort of, you sort of said that, and I really reflected on that. And I thought, you know, that's right. It should be. And so now it, now it is. And so what am I bringing into 2024? I'm bringing in, I think, an openness about growth and not feeling like there's a right way to do it, but listening. Did you feel like there was a right way to do it? Yeah. I mean, when you're building an online business, which is what I've been doing exclusively for the last two years, there are a lot of people out there who offer great advice. And, you know, I'm learning this on my own. And so, so much Mm -hmm. is following advice. And I think I've followed that. That's really helped me to get where I am. But I'm also leaning more into an inner knowing about how Mm -hmm. to guide this business for the audience that I have, which, you know, that's another piece is a lot of people, primarily women are attracted to this work, but I've realized since we last talked that the audience is continually, is is really getting more and more to be midlife moms. That's really the primary audience I have. It's not the only audience of people that self-school has worked for and so forth. I've even had a man who has taken the course but again and again, that that really seems to be the audience. And so that's who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm just leaning into that knowing a bit more instead of this is how you are supposed to run an online business where you have a course. I'm allowing myself to yeah. lean into really who my people are and listening to them. And if it doesn't work for you and the way your energy ebbs and flows and you feel your creative urges that your business won't work for other people. It has to work for you first. That's right. That's right. And it's so, there's so much learning in it all the time and things are changing all the time in this world. And as someone who has always loved being a student and cares about school, there's, I guess I, I must have sort of thought, well, there's a way to do this and I should do it. I should do it the way experts say. And now I've gotten to a point, I'm not just learning how to do this. I'm doing this. I can give people advice on how to do this at this point. So I can also lean into my intuition and make some choices Mm -hmm. that I think are the right choices based on my experience, not just on what the experts say. The technical part of my brain has had to do so much to to make some shifts in the business. And that's a certain kind of process. It's very hard to get into the, to be sort of thinking in these big thoughts. But you're here for big thoughts. I love that so much, but I had to sort of put the plugs together so that Mm. the engine could work, you know, behind the scenes automatically for people who are ready to take part in self-school. So, you know, our teachers are here to lead us to a certain place to open doors for us. And we also then need to trust ourselves and rely on ourselves with our thoughts and what we're capable of doing and what we understand and what we know. So 
that is organically what's been happening. Yeah. You have a word of the year. I haven't decided on my word yet. You said openness a few minutes ago. I did say openness. I think a big one for me is abundance. I've been thinking Mm -hmm. about that. I've operated from a scarcity mindset for Mm. a little while now, and I don't want to anymore. So that's something. But I feel like that's probably been more my word of 2023. Do you have a word? Yeah. I thought it was going to be something different. And then when Lauren and I were chatting, and this is how where I feel like words choose you, togetherness popped out. Mm. And I was like, okay, I guess togetherness. I want to be more together with my passions and the people that I have these conversations with, maybe travel. I've just been in such an incubation period of education and reconfiguring and what do I want to be under this umbrella of luxuries for your soul? And what are these conversations? Like what effect are they having on me? And how do I want to take that in the world with me married with all of the physical things I I create? Do I want to continue creating them? You know, 2023, I decided I wasn't making any decisions. Mm. I didn't choose a word and I said, all bets are off. Don't look at me for anything. All bets are off. And, you know, Lauren was like, that is not a word of the year. And that doesn't even sound nice. (laughs) But I knew my year was going to be very rocky and it sure was. And so I'm glad I didn't hold myself to anything. I just surrendered and said, it will be what will be, you know? Mm. If I don't make any preconceived notions about anything, then it'll all be fine. But I've already booked two little trips for myself. Wow. And so togetherness is, it's coming together already. Oh, I love that. I love that. I think my word will be create. Mm -hmm. I think I'm ready to give myself the freedom to just create a bit more. I've been writing a lot and it's been feeling very comfortable and natural. And I just want to be open to the poles of creativity. So when you choose a word, how hard do you go with that word? I wouldn't say I'm all in. I think (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea of fresh beginnings, but honestly, I think I begin freshly each season. I don't put so much pressure on January. I just don't. No. But I like this idea of self-improvement and I like this idea of being honest with ourselves about what we need right now, what we want for ourselves Mm -hmm. right now. I just think I do that off so often. Like I like to do it regularly. I appreciate doing it regularly and I'm a huge fan of being able to change your mind. So when something's not really working, I'm not just going to keep pushing and pushing because I said I would. When I became a mom, I got this line a day journal. It was a five-year journal. And I thought, wow, yeah, I got it when I was pregnant. I found this beautiful pink leather journal. And I was like, this will be great. You know, one line every day and I'll write it to my child. Like I'll write it like to you. Right. So, so this Uh will be a memory book for my child to have about a time in their life that they probably don't have, won't have much memory of, but will hear from me a little something every day. And on the day my daughter was born, I wrote my first entry and my sister said to me, I just don't understand why you're setting yourself up for failure like this. (laughs) (laughs) 
And I and I was like, no, but I really want to do it. Like I do. And she was she kind of rolled her she kind of rolled her eyes at me. But you know what? I did it. You did it? I did it not only for her five years, I did it for my son's five <gasps> years. And my third child got three years. But and then and then I was like, I was getting to a point where I was like, this isn't bringing me joy anymore. Like it's so much work every day, three <laughs> different journals, three kids. I wanted to complete it, but then I was like, it's okay to let this go, you know? And I document their lives in different ways, but I'm so, I love this piece of history that I have. I treasure it almost more than anything I have. Yeah, I'm feeling really bad about myself over no, here. That's, I don't not, have the point. Like that's that. not the point. <laughs> it worked for me until it did, helped me. It was really important for my well-being at the end of the day to document something. Yeah. And part of that was coming from, I was all in stay-at-home mom for six years. Basically, the amount of time that I kept those journals was I was full-time stay-at-home mom. And I, having come from a career, and then when I transitioned back into a career, part of that was quantifying for me my time yeah. and the value of what I was doing with these kids. I wanted to remember that this wasn't just, days weren't just going by. I wanted to be able to see so much happened in those days where a lot of people think that stay-at-home moms don't work, and that's just not true. It's just right. not the truth, and I have proof. And so that, you know, so much of my work now is helping change the cultural language around the identity of moms because... I think we feel like there are two buckets, you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a working mom. And I completely think that that is damaging to the inner well-being of women who are moms and are still continuing to become the people that they are. I think we need to reshape that language around mm -hmm. our identities and our mindsets. And being a mom might be your primary calling in life, and you might then find another calling in life that you want to have alongside that. Being a mom might be a huge part of your life, but not your primary calling. So I'm really into right now thinking about this language about being like a calling committed mom versus a stay-at-home mom or a working mom or a, you know, a calling empowered mom or a calling curious mom, changing that language a little bit. So that changed the subject from what you were originally asked. But I think sometimes if I find a word at the beginning of the year and I keep coming back to that and it is pushing me forward in ways that feels great and it's meaningful for me, like, yeah, I'm going to go like, I'll be an all in. But if I realize that the word I happen to think of at the new year was great for, a, you know, a week, I'm okay with <laughs> with changing my mind. And sometimes right. certain words can last a lot longer than one year, right? Like maybe that word abundant that I chose last year actually is a word I need to continue to focus on until I feel like I've really kind of squelched some of those scarcity mm -hmm. things that are like little demons inside, you know? So what are those little demons? What does that scarcity, like how does it present itself? I have a lot of fear around money. I have fear around trust. Mm -hmm. You know, when in certain situations, I've just experienced, I've been really let down by mm -hmm. a few people 
And I took it very, I really took it to heart. And that kind of affected the way that I've gone forward in trust. And I'm trying to remind myself that the few people who have let me down, why am I so focused on that when the amount of people who have, who have completely built me up and saved me and helped me and loved me, is, it's such a, a stronger force. But I focus on the broken trust or the betrayal yeah. or the loss. And same with money. You know, money, when you start a business five months before a pandemic, it's self-funded. <laughs> that is upsetting, you know, oh, when yes. banks all just stop all the things they said they were going to do. And it's just mm-hmm. a scary, it's just scary, you know, when I'm not just responsible for myself, but I've put a huge burden on my family with going through that. But now, you know, time's moved on. Things have changed. Energies have changed around money. But I do get, you know, that scarcity mindset. It shows, it rears its ugly head sometimes when... I get that too. Yeah. yeah. Like there's just, there's not enough to go around. There's not enough. And there is enough. Right? But that's what the bathroom, it, it gets going. Yeah. And now I can catch it a bit earlier. You know, like I, a, a yeah. friend of mine once said, she's like, you know, money's just energy. I was just going to say Were that. you? Yes. I, yeah. I love exactly. that. I love thinking like yeah. that. That's such a helpful yeah. way to think about it. And um, that's helped me. And But at the same time, I still, where I am now with this abundance thing is I am actually trying to hope for abundance for some people who I don't actually care about very much anymore. I'm trying to have positive yeah. thoughts for some of those people who have broken my trust. And so that's, that's just kind of a whole other level with it. But so that's Mm -hmm. a word that has stuck with me for a while now and will probably be with me for quite a while as well. A lot of women, moms are scared to take a risk on themselves that requires a financial investment if they are not earning an income. And it's, it's a mindset that we have to work through to understand, you know, where that's coming from, why that is. Sometimes it's a simple conversation with a partner to realize that that's something that's completely made up. It's not a category for everybody, but it's, when we talk about Mm -hmm. circumstances, it tends to be a category that a lot of people bring up for themselves. And when it is a category for someone, it's almost crippling. It's so difficult to move forward or stand in your worth or understand your truth. So self-school is open now? Cell school, it's open now. So one of the ways I've changed, I guess, the on-ramp into self school, because like I said, many of the people who are attracted to self school are midlife moms. I have created this free masterclass that people can take okay. as a way to get a sense of who I am, the way I teach. And it's called the five-step framework to thriving as a midlife mom. And if you go on to my website, lindsayherdy.com or theeverwell.com, there's on the top right, it says free masterclass. You can click there and you can take that masterclass. And in that masterclass, at the end of it is information about self-school. It just really kind of goes through the whole thing. Like you and I talk about it in, talked about it in the other podcasts that we did together. So I won't talk about it all now, but it explains it a bit more. And so people can see mm-hmm. it on the screen and understand what it is and decide if it's the right fit for you or not. 
But if you already know that you that self-school is something you want to do, the website for that is selfschool-everwell.com. And you can either sign up to just do it on your own, or you can join the small groups, which at this point, the small group VIP experience is happening in January. But right now on the website, you just get yourself on the list to do that. Okay. And what happens if someone is listening to this in February and can they still join? Can they join the VIP experience that kicked off in January just a little bit late? Well, the beautiful thing about the new self-paced self-school, thanks to you, is that you join that and every week you can still meet with me live. It's different than the small group experience Mm -hmm. of January. And to be honest, I'm still trying to figure out If January will be the only time I offer those small groups, I'm going to see how the January one goes. So if you're listening in February, there's probably more information about that on the website. I think though that I've set this up so that if you take self-school self-paced every Wednesday, there is a, a Zoom gathering that I call a think sesh where we focus together on just being intentional about our inner growth. And then once a month, there's a live, I call it Q&A, but it's really kind of workshoppy where we talk together. It's over Zoom and it's a small group gathering. And that comes yeah. with your course for a full season. So I'm trying to really make this transition into anybody can join when they want. And then once you join self-school and you get into that world, there are other offerings you can do small group wise Mm -hmm. all year. You know, there are just different times, types of groups that people join. I call them connection pods and you can just do that. And because it's sort of like, once you know the self-school language, whether or not you've completed the course, then we do the small groups together. So we all just understand that we're talking the same language and there are certain things that I'll bring up and everybody just knows what that means versus educating every time I bring it up. It just makes it a little bit easier. And I've actually started doing a little bit of one-on-one work. One of my self-school <gasps> students just asked me if I would. And um, I'd never done... I bet you're fabulous at that. Well, I thank you. I'd never done it before. And I said, well, I like you so much. I'll try it. Sure. You know, yeah. and we've just completed our four weeks together. I set up a four-week thing with her, a four-session thing. Once a week, we talked. Okay. And then I wrote up a big thing based on what she had been bringing up. She had done self-school. She's done like everything with me that I've offered. And she just wanted that one-on-one time to really just, I just, I want, I just want to start something, but I just don't know exactly what it is. Like, I just need to talk it through with someone who's unbiased, who doesn't have intentions for me in my life, but who can get me. And so I actually found it so much more rewarding than I ever could have imagined. So I'll, yes. I'll I think I'll keep offering that to people who well, are. I love that for you. A similar I love that for you. Oh, thank you. I'm glad that you got there organically too. Yeah. I don't know that I, I never really thought one-on-one was my favorite spot. I love small groups so much. I'm such a huge fan of small group and still am. I just see the value. I really can't, stress how valuable it is to invest in knowing yourself better. It's just the value of that, the long-term value. This is not a quick fix kind of program. This is investing. This is planting seeds and Mm. trusting that the soil and the water and the sunshine are going to enable you to get to a place where you are just blooming 
with beauty and power and color in the ways that you want to be growing. I hope you enjoyed our catch up with Lindsay and it has piqued your interest in self-school. Stay with us for the original episode where she dives into her inspirations, shares stories, and uncovers valuable life teachers. It is such a good chat. Enjoy. I've been listening to your podcast quite a bit. I'm, I'm, I really like what you both are doing. Oh, thank you. It's wonderful. Let me start right out in the gate and say, as someone who's not formally educated, I am a living example of a decision, a desire, a burning drive to seek that self-education and to find mentorships that light that spark. So I wholeheartedly prescribe to life teachers and people who come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. And I'm always looking at those teachable moments for growth and reflection So I have been looking forward to this conversation and sharing you with our listeners. Unfortunately, Lauren can't be with us today because her son is sick and she had Jitsi pick up from camp. So we're all going to send well wishes to Hudson and Lauren and hope they have an easier day. Let's start from the beginning of your journey, pivoting from an English teacher to educating the adult to becoming that inner growth architect through co-founding Everwell, the self-school and seasonal circle. Well, I'm so glad to be here, first of all. And that was such an an awesome beginning to hear that you are fully on board with the self-education because I think that it's not talked about enough. We talk a lot about academic education Mm -hmm. and there's this huge piece of our lives that we all have in common that is just happening behind the scenes and that is becoming the people that we are. So I love that that is important to you. To start at the beginning, like you asked, I've always known I wanted to be a teacher. I loved school, always have. And (laughs) I became, I mean, I played, that was my go-to childhood activity. I played school in my bedroom. I had a chalkboard in my bedroom as a kid and I loved it. What it really means is that I, I love learning. I love being in the space where people are open and engaged. So I became a high school English teacher and I loved it. But what I really loved about it was that the time when we were in conversation, when we had read a book Mm. together or we were working on writing projects and we were in small group discussions and these young adults were talking about who they are because of what they're thinking about from this book. And I did that for eight years and I loved it. And then I became a mom and I wasn't expecting to not go back to the classroom But becoming a mom really affected my life in so many positive ways. I knew I liked kids. I didn't know babies were um, an area that I would appreciate so much. But I really got engaged in that. And then I, as after being home full time with my three kids for six years, I wanted to get back into education. But I realized that women, moms, there's such fertile ground there. There's so much to think about and learn and grow from at that stage in life. And there's Mm -hmm. no structure around that in the same way that there is as we're growing up with school. But I, in my experiences with women had been that people wanted to talk about things. People wanted to figure out who am I becoming now because of this new part of my life. And that evolved into starting to host workshops out of my home with women, mostly talking about, okay, what's next? I'm a mom and now what? 
I also did some workshops, the same, the what's next thing with high school kids and college kids, just figuring out what to do in those moments of transitions. And I realized pretty early on that my living room wasn't a big enough space for this. People needed to connect and wanted to connect with each other beyond that. And so I co-founded Everwell, which what it was initially is not what it is now, because like a lot of places, the pandemic really had an impact on who we are. But Everwell of today, it's an online community, but it's an education platform in the self-development space. And I also call it an inspiration network. So it's a place where people, not just women, it's mostly women, but can actually talk about and have a seat at a table with other people who are talking about becoming who we are, because I believe that's a lifelong journey. And Mm -hmm. I think it's really important to say things out loud and have safe space to change your mind, to try things on for size, to listen to other people growing in their own way and to support each other. I just, I meaningful connection to me is really at the heart of every single thing I do personally and professionally. And that's how we got here. And then self-school, which you mentioned is my online course. I offer it every January and it's a seven week intensive course where mostly women. Again, I've, I've had one man before and I love that, but it's mostly <laughs> women who are motivated and passionate, but just stuck right now and just want to do that inner work to figure out who I really am right now and what I really want for myself. But they're not all stuck, right? Like maybe they just want to show up to have a seat at the table with other people too. When I found you, I was like, whoa, I love this, but I'm definitely not stuck. Can we talk to the people who are not stuck that just want a seat at that table to have someone to talk to who's rebuilding their community. I love that. So I think most people who want to invest in self-school feel that maybe, maybe it's not stuck, but maybe it's just feeling like there's something missing. It just doesn't Mm -hmm. feel like I'm living my best version of myself, but Mm -hmm. I'm happy maybe and I have good things going in my life. It's not, I don't, that I feel broken. It's more Mm -hmm. just that I want to feel more alive and I don't know how to do that. I don't know. I don't know what I need to be questions. I need to be asking myself to be able to, to grow forward with intention. And I think a lot of people also get to a point in our 40s, 50s, where we realize that certain things in our lives have happened unintentionally. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've gotten here and we're like, what decision did I actually make that got me here? And maybe I want to be a little more intentional about some decisions at this point, as I've got a lot more life to live, you know, God mm-hmm. willing, hopefully. And I want to have more of a voice in how that path takes shape. And then I think for the people like you, you know, you are a lifelong learner. I think you you started this by saying, you know, you, I think from everything I've heard that you've talked about, you realize that this is all a journey and that you have growth mindset. And that's just a really powerful way to navigate the world because you're open. And so when we find ourselves open to growth, you know, we want to be at the table with the conversations that are happening because you just never know when you're going to hear something that's going to spark you alive in a new way or confirm something for you or remind you of something that maybe you haven't been 
tending to in your life, but you're like, Oh my gosh, I totally, I love that. Why haven't I been doing that? That yeah. Thank you for that little bit of inspiration. Mm-hmm. And then it's just a way to move forward. I think with positive energy and feeling alive. And I think there's so much being thrown at us. There's so many courses. There's so many, you should do this. You could manifest this. This will change your life that we need to start practicing discernment. So when I came across your work, it's like, this is the definition of discernment. This is beautiful. This is well thought out. Watching you, your energy exudes a care and a nurturing that I see missing in that space. Well, that's so nice of you to say. That means so much to me. Thank you, Alexis. You know, I think it probably comes back to really knowing why I'm doing mm-hmm. it. And like I said before, one of my core beliefs is that meaningful connection is a path to living our best lives. And, you know, the other thing is that I, I very much believe that the more self-educated we are, the more love surfaces. And then when we're living in a realization of more love, that positively impacts the world. And that, when I say positively impacts the world, that can be within your home, that can be within one relationship, but that could also be within your community. That can be within an online community. That can really have a ripple effect that can impact the world in profound ways that you could never know. But I think because that's what drives me, maybe it, I'm going for love. And so I, one of the things I put out in the world, my hope is that that love is felt because that's why I'm doing this for sure. I felt the love and it made me chase the self school, which never quite lined up. And I think I've written to you like, what about self-paced <laughs> Keep landing in your inbox, initiating you to like something that would work for my schedule? <laughs> what does that mean for you? I would love to know what you mean. What does that okay. mean for you? The ideal situation for me would be something that I could learn on my own and then connect live. But that live would be recorded in case something happened and I couldn't show up, but that I could still have access to that energy and what was happening at the table. I would still feel it and benefit from it, even if it wasn't in real time. And that is not an excuse to say, I'll just watch it later. The intention is to capture that moment. And I understand that the energy is the dynamics change depending on who shows up. So I would want to show up and I'm just going to say this, but sometimes when I show up, there's a fire and I might say (laughs) something and initiate something. And so I'm always mindful of that. I will watch it later (laughs) because it's everyone else's experience too. But I love self-school. I love it. I love tapping into inner wisdom, acknowledging where you are and where you want to go. And and like you said, finding that spark will help you get there. And the people that you meet are a bridge. Mm -hmm. Energetically, we are always searching for something that completes us, that makes us feel whole. And sometimes it's a person. And sometimes it's for 30 minutes, you walk away and you're like, yes, it's exactly what I needed. So I like self-school for me would be, I get to dive in and dive out. I get to take Mm. what I need, but I know as a whole container, a lot of people, they need the structure. And some accountability, right? This is accountability, right? Like saying, no, I'm not going to cancel because, you know, one half of us (laughs) is sick but one half of us is still here. So that half can show up 
and then we'll have you back on doing beautiful things in the world. There is more to share. This is just Mm. the intro of your work for people. I love that. And I, in its ideal form, I agree, is a live thing where you have a small group where you can have space to show up however you are. If you're on fire, like you said, or you're feeling totally in the zone, it's safe so that people can say things and change their mind and come back and say it a different way. They, you know, we're held to a lot in our life these days in the midst of cancel culture and everything. It's hard to just say what you think. And it's part of what I love about your podcast, to be honest. I love how the two of you get on here and you are authentic with yourselves and each other and you Mm -hmm. differ in the way you think. And I love how at the end of your season, you did a roundup and were self-reflective about it and had thoughts on how you went through it. That is unusual, I think, for people to put it out there, their willingness to look at themselves and say, if I had done it again, I might've done it this way, or, you know, this is a way that I want to grow. It was really beautiful to be part of that conversation, you know, passively by listening to it. I loved that. But I think that's what I, what in self-school by having these small groups, we create space over seven weeks, meeting every week. We meet eight times over the seven weeks so that you have all this time together to go deeply into what it is you're thinking. And it's all this inner work before you make decisions really so that you're just figuring it out. We're all doing this archeological dig of ourselves, which is Mm -hmm. the piece that I think is really missing a lot of the times when we talk about how to live or how to make decisions. I think that's what you implied before. There's so much out there to tell you how to live, but this is the before that that I think gets missed a lot, which is, you know, who am I and why? Why do I want this for myself? And I've gotten that takes figuring out. We're not used to being in conversations where that's talked about because so much of the time people are judging us in life and hold what we're saying to be the truth or the only thing we can ever think. But the truth is we change our minds like you and Lauren Mm -hmm. showed by having thoughts about some of your past podcasts. You know, you're like, it's something we did. It lives there. Might not have done it again if I could see the future, (laughs) you know, and look back. But, you know, I love that it's there because the conversation was relevant at the time and you acknowledge that. And so and self-school, there is an option to do it independently and you have lifetime access to it. So one could do it on their own pace. The difference is, is that you won't have those weekly emails from me keeping pace with you. But if that's not what you really are there for, you could do it on your own. Those recordings are there. It's just missing that community piece. But I guess you could always find a buddy to do it with and make your own pace. (laughs) I love when you land in my inbox. That's like my favorite, getting emails from you. I'm like, oh, it feels like a hug. I love it. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you so much. Wow. There's so many great things about self-school. What do we talk about? Well, there's seven weeks to it. So the first Mm -hmm. part of it, there's seven weeks and it's broken into three parts. So the first part is all about going inward. Mm -hmm. And that is about taking inventory of what already exists in your life. You know, I am a big fan of talking about inner wisdom. And I, I believe we all have this inner well, this place inside of us that is ours alone. It's untouchable by anybody else. And we get to keep that for ourselves always. Can you repeat that for the listeners? Because I think that that was a very big thing you just said. 
Yeah. We all have an inner well, and it is this Mm -hmm. spot inside of us that is safe and calm and protected in hours alone. No one can ever take that from you. And it's where Mm -hmm. our repository of wisdom grows. It's where our self-knowing lives. And sometimes we can move through life because of all of our responsibilities and not pay too much attention to it, not acknowledge it, not really ask it questions. And that's okay. That happens. Life is full. I think people forget that they can have that dialogue with your inner self, that you can ask yourself those questions. We forget that is a very crucial step to knowing oneself. Absolutely. We have so much information inside of us. Yeah. So this first part of self school is tapping into that and learning Mm -hmm. how to read ourselves a little bit better and understanding what our body's telling us and Mm -hmm. why we have tended towards certain things in our lives, what patterns we have followed that maybe we haven't even noticed, but are there. And so it's such a deep dive with so many prompts and worksheets to help you kind of just go inside. And it's, I call it a retreat. You're just taking time to retreat and you're writing it down and you're thinking about it. And you're just doing this on your own in the safety of this space. And some people are doing that independently. Some people are doing that small group, but by doing that, you're getting to know yourself better. And a lot surfaces from that a lot comes up. And we talk about the ways in which we like to be creative, ways in which we're curious, ways in which we like to play, ways in which we like to relax. Is this going to be a real live retreat? I need it to be a real live retreat, please. Can we incubate that right now? (laughs) I love that. I love retreats. I am a huge fan of real live retreats. And Right now, I've started doing keynotes on Self School 101, so I can go into communities and organizations and talk about sort of a higher level, but I love a workshop or a retreat. No, I want to wake up with you. I want to get a cup of coffee (laughs) with you. I want to go out on the deck where there's a lake and feel the breeze. I want to wake up with the nurturing of Lindsay. I want it all immersive. Let's make that happen. I would love it. I would love it. I would love that. <laughs> because See, this I, is why you don't want me to show up in like module one. This is what I'm going to show up with. Oh, sorry. I love, I love your energy. You're hungry and I love it. And it's wonderful to have people like you in, in one's orbit. So that's the beginning of cell school though, is really going inward, retreating and taking inventory. And then this part which is really weeks three and four of it is finding inner clarity. Mm -hmm. And we do that through identifying very in a concrete way, what the sort of the threads, the thematic threads have been in our lives and noticing that, because again, there are things we don't notice that might feel so obvious, but we've never actually noticed it about ourselves. Like when I give me one of yours, Okay. That I love small group, anything in a small group. Like when yeah. I did all of these exercises for the first time, because self school was built out of me figuring this out for myself in 2016, when I was, okay. my, my third child was two. And I was like, I need to figure out what I want for myself. And I, and having been a teacher, I'm really good at creating curriculum and exercises and so forth. And so I did something for myself that I was like, this really worked. 
And so that's Mm -hmm. what started these workshops I was doing in my home was I was helping people with the exact same thing I did for myself. So when I did this for myself, one of the things I realized, I'm all about small groups. I love it. Like in any format, I think it's so powerful to be in a group, especially with other women, because the collective wisdom is so profound just by living life. We all know so much and have so Mm -hmm. much to share and offer each other. And I find the first day of a small group, I get so excited because I already know how much love is going to come out of that. And I know the connection that's going to be created. It's going to, what's going to happen ultimately is that this invisible web, like a beautiful spider web, you know, have you ever seen that spider web, like in the light and caught it, caught it with your eye and been like, Holy Mm -hmm. cow, that thing's magnificent. But a second ago, you couldn't even see it because of the angle you were at. Well, that's what happens in small group is this, these connections of a web just happen between everyone in that group. And suddenly you've built something that's very strong, but in, sort of invisible to anyone else, but you know, it's there. And that right. is just one of these buoys in life that helps carry us. So I, I discovered, I was like small group and I know it sounds so silly and like totally dorky really, but like, it's true for me. I love small group gatherings. So I know that when I'm asked to be part of something in community, totally maybe separate from my work, if there's a small group component, I am really turned on by that. So I'm much more open to being part of something if I know that's part of it. And I've taken the time to figure that out about myself. So I don't have to make that decision every time. I can just think about that. I know that about myself. So then the second part, you know, where we're gaining clarity is really figuring out what all of those themes are in our lives and really tuning in to what I want for myself Mm -hmm. and not being judgmental or, you know, like putting everything on the table as crazy as it might sound like I want to be a rock star. Like you can say that and I know that's never going to happen for me, but what I've realized is the, the feeling about being on a stage or that might be something different. And that's why I now do keynotes and I talk, I've added speaking into my repertoire because it's, it's not being, you know, pink or Taylor Swift at all, but it is sort of channeling that feeling where a message can be delivered to a larger group of people. It's the same kind of thing of a podcast. It's like, I have something to say with this Mm -hmm. voice of mine and Mm -hmm. I know that this could positively impact other people. And that is really exciting. I could keep it all in, but I could also share it. And that's the It would eat you alive. Yeah. If you kept it in, it would manifest itself in some kind of an ailment. If it's your gift, you need to get it out. Yes, I agree. And I think that's part of what's fun in life too, is knowing mm-hmm. where those areas are and challenging yourself. Because the other thing is, you know, at the same time that that sounds really fun to spread a message on a stage for a long time. And I'm telling you 20 years, I've told myself a story that I get stage fright (laughs) because I had an experience when I was in my early twenties, when I was an MC of a talent show and I couldn't remember anyone's name. And these were like my friends. I went totally (laughs) blank. And I was like, well, I get stage fright. I can't go on a stage yeah. without note, without notes. Like I told myself that story and you know, that was preventing me from speaking for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what, this is, I'm just telling myself a story 
Like, I don't really have that much proof because I haven't put myself on a stage. So I got a teacher. I took a class. I learned how to memorize lines. And I recently proved to myself in an online virtual classroom community that I can memorize lines. It's just about being prepared and believing what I'm saying and taking the time to really practice what I'm going to say. Yeah, I get adrenaline before I go on a stage, but that's a good thing. That's not right. me being scared. Maybe there's fear in there, but that's a good fear. It's it's positive energy. I've just learned that that story I told myself that I can't go on stages because I can't speak unless I have notes. Mm-hmm. That was holding me back. I pushed myself to face that head on and just see if maybe I was wrong about that. No, and I'm 46. Yeah, we're wrong about a lot of stories. <laughs> Tell ourselves. Aren't we? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I love to take notes. I love to write notes. I like to have piles of notes around me if I think, oh, wow, that's a good detour to something else. And it inspires me to move to a different part of a conversation. But I never rely on my notes, but I love to be prepared because it always inspires something else that I didn't know was there. It was inside me or the other person has brought out that sacred seed that's deep within my well. Yes. And I, I am so glad you mentioned this because being prepared is so much Mm -hmm. of this where you're coming in here, you're leading this conversation. If you thought about all the potential directions it could go, mm-hmm. that's where we get stuck in things. Right. Letting yourself Because you're prepared, you're able to be freer with it. And actually, mm-hmm. that is so much of what self-school is. It's knowing yourself well enough that you can be freer in learning how to make decisions for yourself. It's not, it, decisions don't become so crippling because you know yourself well enough to know, like you have a filter. You have an inner GPS now that's in effect. Sometimes that, I have a filter. <laughs> No, but I mean, yeah, two filters. There's that filter uh, through your mouth, but there's also just inside of you with your decisions. Like Mm. I read your manifesto. You're not going to just make jewelry that doesn't speak to you on a soul level. That's a filter. You've created a path. You're not just selling jewelry to sell jewelry. You have every piece has a plan and a path and a life and you've made that decision because you understand something, a lot of things about yourself and what you want through your work. Right. And that's a Mm -hmm. lot of inner work got you there. And for you, it might have been more intuitive for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. It's not quite as intuitive. And so that's why self-school is a really helpful path for a lot of people. It can be for those who, like I said, aren't necessarily, it's not natural for them to just have a handheld to go through it all. But it also could just be for someone who is natural at it, but is like, I think I know myself as this way, but I'm kind of realizing like there's more and I'm just so stuck in the story I'm telling myself about myself that I need to Can we go there? Yeah, sure. With learning styles, because you were in the classroom with Mm -hmm. those formidable ages and having those discussions where your brain is trying to figure so many things out in high school and your hormones. And that's where you start developing and knowing really your learning style. I'm not this kind of learner or my teacher says this and so that. You must have been witness to that inner struggle of developing a learning style. And how did that inform self-school and how you prepare for the adults showing up to reignite and figure out who they are in this phase of life? That's such a great question. I think that, sure, we all might have a preferred learning style, 
in the sense that you might be someone who learns best by reading. You might be mm-hmm. someone who learns best by listening to a lecture. You might be mm-hmm. someone, it sounds like you and I are very similar based on what you just said. I need to write everything down to be able to learn it. Like that's, is that you were saying that in preparation? I don't know. I don't want to speak for you, but that's very helpful for me is to, to take notes on things as I'm mm-hmm. learning it and then go back to those notes to figure it out. If I'm just listening, I don't, I can't rely on my memory alone to keep it there, but I don't know if you might be different. You need to touch all of my senses. I can rely on my memory if I felt a certain way. I can recall how you made me feel. I might not remember the words you say unless it triggers that inner wisdom and it it wakes up something inside of me and I come alive. I will remember the word that you say, but I will always remember how you made me feel. And if you made me feel a way that I cannot connect with, I will just keep moving forward. That's where that discernment and that filter is. But I'm a multi-sensory learning person. The original story was, Alexis, you'll never be anything. Alexis, you don't have good enough grades to go to school. We're not even going to look at colleges. You'll be lucky if you graduate school. But for some reason, I was like, that's a lie. That's not my story. What? Like, really? I'm out of here. I'm going to go and do what I want to do. It ignited me. And it was a very messy, long path. But I found myself to where I am. It's fine to be ignited from an early age to say, that's not true. That's a limiting belief. And that's not my story. Mm. So all of our different learning styles, I just think it's fascinating when you when you are teaching to so many different stories. Mm. That self-school is such an important part of our life curriculum. Absolutely. I mean, gosh, you said so many things in there that I feel I want to talk about. School is a wonderful container on a lot Mm -hmm. of levels. I love that it exists. And I grew up with a mom with who had learning disabilities. And Mm -hmm. she is also one of the smartest people I know. She's an avid reader. She is unbelievable to me how much she takes in in life. And she felt for most of her life that she wasn't smart. And I as her child growing up, I fortunately did not struggle with learning disabilities. And I know how crippling that can be though, because I do have a child who struggles, but I witnessed how the impact for my own mom of this, Mm -hmm. that I'm sitting here, I could ask her any question about anything because she's read a book on it, yet she felt she wasn't smart. And school can create in us a feeling that's very fixed It's a fixed mindset Mm -hmm. of how smart we are. And I really struggle with that because I went far in my education because I liked school and it it worked well for me, that container. Small groups. Small groups. (laughs) I mean, but I have to say (laughs) the most profound self-education that's happened for me has been outside of the classroom setting, sometimes with actual teachers, but Mm -hmm. Almost all of the most powerful learning moments in my life are not because of the academic curriculum that I've learned. And I find that stunning, really stunning. And so that's why I think it's really important to empower everybody that we all are learners. There is no ending point. There is no one test that tells us who you Mm -hmm. are intellectually. 
There are so many types of intelligences. And I tried to create self-school with that in mind. So different people could reach it. You know, it could appeal to you in different ways. Every single lesson has an accompanying worksheet. Some people love that. It makes them feel really good to fill out the worksheet just right. But every lesson like is that. me. <laughs> Yeah, it's like, I did it. Yay, I did it, you know? Where's my gold star? (laughs) Exactly. You get through it. But then there's also every lesson is me talking to you and Mm -hmm. it's, it's conversational and you can replay that as many times as you want and take notes in the ways that you want. There's so many different exercises to appeal to the senses because I actually think that that's the brilliant way to approach life outside of school is to rely on our senses more and to live into that. And so I, I think that's, you know, our wisdom is so connected to our senses. And so that's really how I've tried to design it is so that people with all different learning styles can grow as they feel is the natural way to grow for them. Do you have a story of a graduate that had a profound experience or a complete shift in her mindset or her life as a graduate of self-school? I should say upon graduating self-school. Upon graduating self-school, yes. One of my favorites is a woman who was really thought it was just too late. And it's Mm -hmm. funny because she's younger than I am. And she thought, you know, it's just too late to get this degree in family and relationship counseling. It's what I think I really want to do. It's, it's what I'm totally drawn to, but I have a path in finance. I have kids and she now is almost done with her graduate program. She realized that it's not too late, absolutely Mm -hmm. not too late. And that there was no reason why she couldn't make this shift now. You know, so much of what we do, not so much, but a part of what we do in self-school is we think about the timeline of our lives. You know, we all have a timeline and right. we don't we don't know what it is, but we can put positive energy into it being a long one. And I encourage people to imagine themselves as a 96-year-old and looking in the mirror and imagining yourself imagining your hair and your posture and the lines on your face to imagine that woman looking Mm -hmm. back at you now and what she's thinking about you now and that time that is there. And it's a really beautiful thing to start to have a relationship with this beautiful elderly woman that we will become right. Right. And how she's there, she's coming. And she loves you and Mm -hmm. she wants you to have a life that is not underwhelming and it's not overwhelming, but that you, you can handle this. You can live inside of this space where you are finding the thing that is meant for you. And that can look like a billion different things, but she's looking back. And if you think about how much time is there, you really have so much space to pursue things and to give yourself a chance. And I think a lot of people hit a certain point and they see other women in their lives who have these beautiful businesses or are doing things that they're so impassioned by. And they just feel like they miss the boat and they'll just stay on the path they're on. And that Mm -hmm. might be a particular job. And that might be great. You know, you're not having feelings like that are problematic for you in any way. Like, keep going. That's amazing. 
But if you're feeling something like I'm just, uh, it's just, I'm lonely. I'm bored. I'm not feeling right. I don't know what's happening and it's too late. I just, it's not too late. It's never too late. It's never too late. And if you are listening to this either today or in a couple of months from now, know that self-school launches in January, right? It does. It does launch in January. And I'd love, I'd love. People have time to prepare. Yeah, they have time to prepare. January is a good time. I'll start sending emails about it probably in November. And you can sign up for our emails at theeverwell.com. And you'll just be on the list and be part of the circle and get to join us if you'd like. Speaking of circle, can we just now talk about seasonal circle? Yes. So I collaborate with Julie Flagstad on this. and. The seasonal circle, it's a conversation club and it's meant to get your group connected and laughing and sharing and being real. You might think, well, that's a book club, but it's different than a book club because it's based around a theme or a topic, not one book. We collect a bunch of great content, like a book, maybe a podcast or two, a film, even a song. And Mm -hmm. you can absorb that content if you want to before your group gets together. But if you don't, just by being a person who's lived a life, you have a seat at the table and you'll have plenty to say if you're willing to talk about yourself. So you'll get more out of it if you absorb the content, but it's not required homework. It's you could just show up and have a yummy conversation. And the groups are created one person just signs up to be the host of the seasonal circle. You pull in your own circle. That can mm-hmm. be a group of neighbors. It can be a group of friends from a long time ago. It can be a brand new group of people. You can be hand selecting people. You can do it over zoom, or you can do it live in your home where you're just saying, these are people that I'd like to have a conversation with a real conversation. And then when you gather, you press play and we have a pre-recorded sort of posting that we do where we set up the conversation, we help keep pace, we make it fun, we keep it real. And then it wraps up after 90 minutes and you just uh, gather. I mean, the feedback we've gotten from women who have done this has been so moving. It's meaningful connection at its best. I mean, women have come up to both me and Julie out in the wild and said to us, Oh my gosh, I did the seasonal circle. And been brought to tears just retelling their experience of how moving it was for them and fun moving and fun like this really healthy combination of feeling uplifted and light but also being real and connecting with each other in a way that mattered and really deepened the relationship in a way that Mm -hmm. these women have felt like I am so glad I know this about these people now. I feel so much more connected to my group. We've done two seasons of seasonal circles so far. And right now the topic is modern friendship. And I know you guys did a great podcast on friendship and it's just such a relevant topic and always will be, won't it? Yes. When I sat in on the conversation about hosting a seasonal circle, which That's why I showed up because I was curious. How does one host a seasonal circle if they don't have neighbors or a group of girlfriends that they could get together and they could say, come on over. I'm going to have a dinner. We're going to have drinks. We're going to have a seasonal circle and this is going to be great. It's not that I don't have friends, but I moved 
to a new location where I've spent the majority of my time reinventing myself, going inward. So I have a few close friends, but we're so busy that a lot of the people that are new in my life in this work that I do, they're online. Or there are people mm-hmm. that I say, like, are we friends? Are we acquaintances? And I know you touch on that as part of the content in modern friendship. So how does one navigate if, if they say to you, can I just join your circle? Can you, we have a seasonal circle of strangers who make friends? Can we create a cohort of like-minded people for a seasonal circle that are like virtual? What's the answer for someone like me that's like, I want in? but I don't know how. Like, it's almost like you want to be a guest where someone else is hosting and you're totally fine, whoever is there, but you don't necessarily want to pull the people together. Is that what you're saying? Sure, because I could be inspired by whoever shows up. That's my favorite. Because then you, you know, you're just like, well, who who am I pulled to? And who's going to be my life teacher? Oh, I love you. Oh, Julie and I have talked about potentially creating an option where people can sign up that way saying, I want in on a group. And then we would ask people maybe, and would you be willing to host this group of you right. know strangers, but who are into it? And then someone would be the host and you could do it, but you none of you know each other. And it would happen over oh, Zoom most likely. That's fun. Does that sound that's fun? Really fun. Okay, it's so scary. Yeah, <laughs> fun and scary. So stay tuned for season three because I think that'll probably be an offering yeah. because you, a few people have have mentioned this. But I do want to say because I know that you have a growth mm-hmm. mindset and I know you're willing to push yourself and move out of your comfort zone. Yeah. I think that if you can come up with even just a group of two people and say, could each of you invite two people that you think might work? Yeah. It grows it differently and you're starting it, but you're letting it be organic in that way. Maybe allowing people to bring people in. The idea is pushing yourself by saying, because we don't think, Julie and I don't think there are enough people who are out there saying like, let's have a real conversation. Let's gather to really talk. It's behind. I think people say that, but then when they get asked a real question, they recoil because they're not comfortable with their own answer and they can't even believe you just asked them that. That is tricky. That can absolutely can happen. I also think that there are a lot of things that are easier to talk about than the real stuff. And we can, if we're gathering with a group of people for two hours or something, there are a lot of things. We have to behave. Yeah. Well, no, but like we can talk about our kids the whole time. We can talk about, you know, moving or our homes or different things that we all have in common, but aren't really about us. Right. It's easy to do that. And then book clubs, which I mean, I'm a former English teacher. I love talking about literature. But I also think a lot of people enter book clubs with different expectations. Some are just there because they want to see the people and they want to connect and they want to have a glass of wine and they just want to have a night out. And some people took the reading really seriously and want to Mm -hmm. talk about the book. And so there are lots of ways that book clubs can go awry. I've been in, I've been in book clubs since college and, you know, this is just a different than a book club because we're basically saying it's a conversation club. The content is there to support it, to give us something else to talk about, but we're here to talk, but it's being facilitated so that we stay in a space of talking about real stuff. We don't get off track. We can talk about when we're gathering 
in the beginning and when we're closing down and the video is not playing, like talk about whatever, you know, and when we see each other out in the wild, talk about whatever, but we're coming together for this purpose of talking about friendship this season. That's what this conversation's about. And when one brave person invites their people, even if it's one or two people and invites them to invite someone, allows it to be organic in that way. And you create a group of six or eight, let's say that first brave person might be opening a pathway for that other person. Like, this is what I've been craving, but I didn't know how to do it. Or thank you for asking me. I feel so lucky. Yes. I want to do this. I have just the friend that I'd like to invite in. All right. I'll do it. I'll do it. Try it and let me know how it goes. I really, really would love that organic growth. I will add it to my list of things to do in our artist of life workbook for 2023. We have to come up with a hundred things and I will add it to that today. And I will start looking at who I can invite. Tell everybody the zoom is also an option. Just so you know, I know some people have have a feeling that zoom is impersonal, but I, I challenge that. I have had some incredible close personal conversations in small groups over zoom. Truly. With your We're headphones on, right on now. Your space. yeah, like I think it can happen <laughs> if everybody's on yeah. the same page. For sure. Share with the listeners around about what the investment is because it's very accessible to host a seasonal circle. Yeah, right now it's $48 and that's for the full group. So the idea is that okay. if you're a group of eight, that's $6 per person. And we wanted it to be 100% accessible because we just, we believe in meaningful connection. We want these conversations to happen. We want it to really be able to grow organically. So we didn't want the price point to be the reason that people wouldn't Mm -hmm. come. So your host pays for that and you can decide as a group, you all Venmo the host, your $6, depending on your size, you split it, you can do that. Or if you think about it, when you host something, often people have a little budget of what they would put into that event. So some hosts are like, no, I just, I'm just going to, this is part of what I want. I want to offer this and they might decide I'm just going to pay for this for my group and maybe a different person will do it next time and so forth. So you can sort of talk as a group and decide how you want to do that. How did you come up with the number 48? I think six is the ideal size group. I'm sorry. Eight is the ideal size group. And so we thought $6 feels like I mean, that's a latte. I'll exchange one latte for a great conversation. That number breaks down actually to a three in numerology and three is the most creative number. Wow. Tell me how. I don't understand how it breaks down to a three. So four plus eight, and then you break those numbers down. You keep breaking down till it gets to a single digit. So if you're into numbers and you're into numerology, check out what the number three means. And you will see that that is actually the energetic container that you created. And it's a very special number. I love knowing that now. I had no idea. I love that. Before we end our conversation, you have coined the name life teacher. Can you Mm. tell me what that means to you? Yes. So life teaching is when one's human experience offers something profound to the shaping of another human's experience. Mm, I love that. My definition of a life teacher is someone whose wisdom lovingly guides and supports the becoming of another. When I think of life teaching, it totally depends on how the learner feels. If you feel the love, the love is essential. One can't be like, I'm teaching with love. (laughs) 
and I'm a life teacher. No, that's Do you not feel how that? <laughs> yeah, that's not how it works. It has right. to be felt and it has to be understood as that was loving and that has had an impact on who I'm becoming in some way. And it can be a small way. It can be a huge Mm -hmm. way. Life teachers can show up as anyone in our lives. I believe they're all around us all the time and we're missing them all the time because we're not necessarily tuned in to people being life teachers because we think teacher being a teacher is maybe a label that one is certified to be. And yes, for in the academic world, absolutely. But Life teaching happens in our day-to-day lives in unexpected teachable moments. And I like to tell a story about a seamstress who is Mm -hmm. a life teacher to me. Did you want to hear that story? I love this story. I do. I do. (laughs) Okay. So I have three kids. My youngest is eight and he has a beloved bunny that he sleeps with. He has since he was born. And this thing is just, you know, one of those classic loved to death, you know, stuffed animals. And recently my dog gutted bunny when my son was at school and I discovered it. My husband actually discovered it and was like, we have a problem. And I (laughs) immediately go into mom is going to fix it mode. Like I, how am I going to make this better? This is the worst thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing carries as much emotional value as bunny in our home. So I'm freaking out. And I remembered (laughs) that we had a backup bunny because a lot of moms do for these kinds of things. And my son never took to backup bunny bunny because backup bunny was clean and perfect. And his name wasn't embroidered on the ear and all these things. So he never took to it, but I had backup bunny because I was like, you know, this is too important. And I made my way to the cleaners, which is home to our best seamstress, Sanda. And I present the two bunnies to her, you know, the mauled bunny whose head is still intact, but the body is completely mauled and backup bunny. And I am, she's taking them in and I'm like, can you just take bunny's head and put it on backup bunny's body? I'm sort of, you know, freaking out. And she looks at me so calmly and lovingly and says, I can't do this without your son knowing. And I was like, what? Like, I'll pay anything. Like, please help me. Like, he's going to be so upset. And she just said, the right thing to do is tell your son he can handle it. But he loves this bunny too much for me to do anything without his permission. Oh, and I'm like, okay, first of all, I'm so annoyed. First of all, like in my instinct (laughs) is like, why are you blocking me from fixing this? Like I have a backup bunny, like I'm prepared for this. And then I, you know, I realized that like in that moment, I was like, there's probably something to learn here because this is how mm. I like to think. And I'm like, there's probably something to learn here. I don't feel like figuring this out right now because I'm so annoyed, but <laughs> I'm going to leave with bunny and backup bunny and tell my son, you know, so he comes home from school that afternoon and I sit him down and I tell him what had happened to bunny and he cried. And when I reminded him though about backup bunny and told him about Santa, he just lit up with hope. And he Um, said, Oh my gosh, like she, can she help us? And I said, well, let's go talk to her. So we go back to Santa this time. He walks in with bunny and backup bunny and asks for her help. And she explains to him exactly what would happen. She explains that, you know, these parts of bunny are never going to come back. And he, he's following along. And he actually says, and now this is what kills me because he's not a sentimental kid, but he's like, 
bunny well, is all... I don't know. He loves bunny. I mean, he loves bunny, but he's so rough and tumble and stubborn and direct. I mean, this is not a kid who's just like sweet as pie all the time. But he says to me, he says to Santa, bunny is all I want for Christmas. And I'm like, Aww. wow. So like the Legos, the Nintendo set, like all this stuff is like out the window and all he wants is bunny. And sure enough, so Santa goes to work, fixes bunny. He gets bunny for Christmas. And now still every night sleeps, hugs that bunny so hard. What I learned from Santa was so much because she lovingly suggested to me, she paused me. She saw what was happening. And with love, she just said, the right thing to do is tell him, bring him in. This is his loved thing. It's not mm. your loved thing. You know, I was trying to shield him from sadness. Yeah. I was trying to shield him from heartache and I was trying to fix it without letting him have a say. And I don't know what would have happened. I mean, of course I was trying to do the same thing that ended up happening, but he might've thought, Oh, bunny's missing for a day or two must be under the bed. And then when bunny showed up on his bed with this like new body, he might've been like, this is <laughs> imposter bunny. This isn't my bunny, you know? And he might've right. felt completely betrayed by me that I made a choice about his precious right. thing without him knowing. But what ended up happening was by letting him in by Sander pausing me and giving me a new way to think about it. She taught me that by allowing him to have experience the sadness, he then got to experience the anticipation of bringing something back into his life. He got to experience the joy and the healing of something. He had a voice. He had a say. And now he looks at that bunny and it's still his bunny. It's healed bunny. And oh, I learned from bunny. Santa, it's healed bunny. It's not imposter bunny. It's healed bunny. And he loves bunny and he got to have a role and he's so much more grateful for it, it you know, than he was. Like, I think it helped him reprioritize in that moment what he loves most. Santa, who is, look, she's a grandmother where I'm a mother. We don't have the same primary language. We have different ethnic backgrounds. And she was my life teacher because she showed up with love and helped me see something new. And what was so profound about this was that as she really watched me show my son, like have him be the leader of this and pull him in, mm -hmm. I realized that because I was open to her wisdom mm -hmm. and embraced it, then embodied it, by right. showing him what she showed me that her by wisdom, honoring him by honoring him. But yeah. her wisdom now was part of me was part of my wisdom. Like I learned from her and now it's part of me and it's back to building that inner well that we talked about. It's that inner repository where our wisdom is stored. Mine got richer. It got fuller because I was open to her being a teacher because what I could have done in that moment is said, I'm going somewhere else. Like someone will let me pay for this and I can get this done. I could have done that. But instead I asked myself, like, what is there to learn here? Because there's something and turns out there was a lot. So that's an experience of a life teacher. Who's just wouldn't self-describe as a teacher, but there are right. life teachers all around us that, that show up, you know, as a passenger on the plane, as a neighbor, as mm -hmm. an actual teacher, as a clerk in the store, you know, anybody, your child, anybody can be your life teacher if they are, if their wisdom lovingly supports your growth. And you really showed your son what permission means. 
And he will probably always remember when something belongs to somebody else, they've loved and cared for something. What does that permission mean when you change it? You change the story without permission. I hope he'll get that from it. I hope he will. I certainly got that from it. And with time, I think like right now, to be honest, he's still, it, it really was upsetting for him. I know it's all relative. I mean, it's a stuffed bunny, but it really was his loved thing. And so it upset him very much. And now he's grateful to have it back, but he doesn't, he doesn't like talking about what happened to bunny because it really did hurt him that his loved thing was so destroyed like that but he is appreciative of what is there. And I do hope that that becomes the seed of something that grows in him. Like you said, to realize how the love that other people have for things is to be honored and we can't control Mm -hmm. how other people love things and to give people the space to love things the way they love it. Right. Yeah. We have to let go of the outcomes. It's hard. Especially when you give, when you give the gift, you're like, Bunny had a good run, right? I mean, he met his untimely death. We all do. (laughs) Maybe that's his future TED talk. My broken bunny. (laughs) My broken bunny. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. All right. I have some classic end of episode questions for you. Oh, great. What are you diving into right now that is sparking joy and igniting you? I always have a few books that I'm reading. And right now, Mm -hmm. actually, I'm reading Life Worth Living. This is so down my alley of what I already uh, read about and talk about. But this is just, it's just another way of looking at all of this good stuff that we're talking about. I'm digging into that. I'm also reading Gretchen Rubin's book, Life in Five Senses. Have you read that yet? Because I think that you Not yet. Oh, it's so up your alley. You'll love it. So that's another book that I'm reading right now. And then... I have, I have a few podcasts that I, I always listen to smartless every week because it makes me laugh so hard. Okay. <laughs> laughing is important, so, but laughing's important. It keeps me grounded. And I'm also reading Lonin's book. I just, I, it's dense. It's thick. She is like my intellectual muse. And so I just had the great fortune of meeting her live and hearing her talk about her book. So that's the next one on my li- list when I get through these two. I met Gretchen Rubin when she was promoting the happiness project years and years ago in New York. Sometimes you have a really nice life and then you realize I'm not happy. Wait a minute. Are new sneakers going to make me happy? So as far as Gretchen Rubin, do you struggle? Do you struggle with the word happiness? I struggle with the word happiness. Anything I struggle with, I dig into because I'm like, what's there? What's my problem? What does it say about me? So I go towards it. I love that. That's very wise. It's also extremely frustrating for everybody around me. But isn't it better to know what you don't like? It's better to know yourself, right? I think it's really important to know what you don't like and what you like. Yeah. But it is helpful to know what you don't like. Otherwise, we don't know where to say no and when to say yes. And that's where so many people get stuck is that they go along with things because it sounds like a nice idea, but then they realize they haven't made any decisions right? About these things. They just kind of go along and they're not like, I I don't even really like this. And now I'm so committed, you know? Right. Yeah. What's your favorite acronym? I have an acronym for discovering your life teachers and the acronym is decide. Mm -hmm. And do you want me to say it out? What it, what it stands for? Go for it. Okay. So the D is to decide to be a life learner, Mm -hmm. open yourself up in that way. The E is expect the unexpected like we were just talking about, anyone can show up as a life teacher in your life and your timeline for 
teachable moments is completely unpredictable. <laughs> so, so to just expect the unexpected. C mm-hmm. is care for your self-education because no one will care about your becoming as much as you will. It's just true. And so put it yourself inside of experiences that push inner you forward and there's no prescribed path. So make it fun the way that feels Say right that for again. you. Put yourself inside. Put yourself inside of experiences that mm. push yourself forward and make it fun for yourself because there's no prescribed path and how to do that. But no one else is actually thinking, I want you to become your best self in the way that you are. So we have to care for that ourselves. We really do. Mm -hmm. The I is invite the wisdom of others. And this is leaning on that piece of love. When you sense the love of wisdom's presence, let it in, trust it and let it in. The D is dig deep. When wisdom presents itself, you were just talking about this. Ask yourself the question if something's bothering you or if you hear wisdom, but ask yourself there, what is there to learn here? Why am I having a reaction to this? Ask yourself Mm -hmm. those questions because that's how we come to a realization about what it means, that reflection. And then finally, the E is embrace discomfort because inner growth, it is uncomfortable when we're pushing ourselves, it's easy mm-hmm. to just stay in a little cocoon of what feels comfortable. And there's a time and a place for that at different seasons of our life where we need to put ourselves inside of a cocoon to just heal or be. But if we want to grow and live in growth mindset, we have to recognize there are moments of discomfort, but on the other side of that discomfort is wisdom. We'll be wiser for it. So that's my favorite for sure. acronym these days. I love that. Thank you. So for the listeners, Get a post-it, write, decide on it, write out what each of those letters mean. Can you go through it real quick? Yes. Decide. Decide. D, decide to be a life learner. E, expect the unexpected. C, Mm -hmm. care for your self-education. I, invite the wisdom of others. D, dig deep. And E, embrace discomfort. Mm, I love it. Lindsay, what does it mean to you to have a well-lived life? A well-lived life is feeling connected to people who you love and love you back and putting your voice out into the world, your voice, your energy, your gifts in a way that positively impacts the world outside of yourself. That's what I'm going for, at least. What are you no longer available for? Cocktail parties. It's too big or it's too messy. <laughs> I mean, I'll go to a cocktail party, I guess. Whoa, I was not expecting that. This major communicator connecting. What happened? I find that dissatisfied a lot of the time at a cocktail party. I like meeting new people. I really do. I really appreciate meeting people in small groups one-on-one where everyone gets a chance to talk and you're not interrupted by so easily. I mean, the nature Mm -hmm. of a cocktail party is that you have to be available to be interrupted and to somebody else gets interrupted, pulls away, gets pulled away. And it's very hard, I think, to create meaningful connection that way. And so I I just kind of struggle. You know, I grew up with a sister who's brilliant at cocktail parties. We live near each other. And so I kind of just like, 
float on her coattails sometimes. And she helps with the, those conversations. She's so good at, at being able to go from this and that and that it's harder for me. I get super invested. I want to hear more. I want to ask more questions. Yeah. I just like, I like really being zoned in with a person or two or three people, small group. Of course I love, but I guess yeah. it just feels cocktail parties feel a little unstable to me in the sense that I can't really just be with people and hear where they are. I'd rather grab coffee with one person, have a meal, sit down together, have a seasonal circle conversation and just be able to feel safe and we can invest in each other. We're really listening. And so yeah, cocktail parties aren't my favorite. I can agree with that. If I'm at a cocktail party and there's a cozy couch, I'm on it and come and sit with me and we can create our own environment within the cocktail party. Like that's where I want to be in a large group in my own pod. I'm the same (laughs) way. Let's find each other. (laughs) Cause I do like being invited to people's gatherings and I have friends who are amazing at throwing parties and I just love being part of it. And I think I also feel like it's the best party. If I've had an hour long conversation with someone at that party, I can walk away feeling like, wow, we really connected and we grew deeper. And I, and I know more about that person than I did before. And I just feel stronger connection. It felt more meaningful to me. So that's, yeah, that's where I am. I still want to go, I guess. I just have to find my way in there. Oh, see, you and I now, we both discovered we need to find our way about something in this conversation. I need to host a seasonal circle and you need to go to a cocktail party and find your group. On that note. I'll also say, can I say one more thing about that? Yeah. Because now I'm thinking back about what I said and it's like, (laughs) I do think there is a lot of room though for light conversation and to just see people, you know, there are plenty of people in my community who I only bump into things like a cocktail party or at the grocery store or whatever, we're never going to probably sit down together, but I do enjoy those moments of connection. I think what I struggle with more is the leading up and thinking, Oh gosh, you know, the cock is, you know, is this just going to be 15 times introducing myself to new people or, you know, like, is, are we going to really talk about anything? I think it's more that anticipation that I don't love, but usually once I'm there, I find my groove and I end up walking away feeling so glad I went and energized. It's just, it's that lead or totally drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You never know, you know, to each their own. Right. (laughs) I find that I just, I don't like small talk. I just don't. If I see you at the grocery store and you are someone that's in my sphere, that it is just a, hi, how are you? Yes, it's okay that that's where we are and we aren't making that deeper connection. And that's the type of acquaintance that we have formulated. But I don't want small talk. I actually am not available for those types of friendships. I'm okay with saying, no, this is not what I want because this is what I want to invite in. I want those deep conversations. That's why this podcast was so important to me. If I'm not having it out in the world, this was my way to create it. And I'm okay with saying, no, that's what I want. That's what my soul wants, needs, and craves because that's who I am. And that is my gift to myself and hopefully to the other person. And that's all right. We are who we are. We want what we want. And that is our gift. Mm -hmm. We don't need to hide in the shadow of saying like, I don't like what my body does when I go. 
Mm. It's different. What my body does when I go to a cocktail party versus the excitement my body feels of going on a stage when I'm prepared to share my gifts, they could be two very different things. Your Mm. body might be saying, you really prefer the small intimate or yes, now's your time to shine. So we are asking. So can I, can I just like take that answer? That's my answer. (laughs) (laughs) Everything you just said, ditto. (laughs) See, we're soul sisters. We are. What are you savoring? I, my kids right now are such great Mm -hmm. ages. They are 12, 11, and almost nine. And they're, so they're still kids and they, I'm just loving being with them in the times when I can be. And my daughter right now, she just left yesterday for an educational experience in Europe. My 12 year old daughter flew overseas. And my best friend is this amazing, she's leading this incredible program for middle school kids. And so I, my daughter went with her and were you um, like, can we come too? (laughs) Yes. I was like, can I be the chaperone? You know, I didn't get that. But I, so last night was a night where she was flying over an ocean all night and I was, you know, struggling, but I, I'm so happy she gets that experience, but I'm so happy to get her back. I mean, my kids are all at an age where they're out there doing things with their minds and their bodies and their lives. And I love getting them back and closing out the days and being together outside. And so I am just really holding on to this because I I'm grateful that we have freedoms not being in the pandemic. And I'm grateful that my kids are the ages they are, and that mm-hmm. I have the ability to be flexible enough with my work where I can, you know, spend time with them the way I wish to. And so that's really what I'm savoring. I know you believe in investing in yourself. And when we think about self-care and when we think about luxuries and what luxuries are just not negotiable in our lives, what is your latest luxury for your soul? I have to say, first of all, I love the name of your podcast because I've never really, I think I put the word luxury in a box somewhere and felt like Mm -hmm. that's just this unattainable thing or you get it and you have to be coveted in such a way. But I, but thinking about luxuries for your soul and the way you describe it, you know, yes, all of this work, inner work, tending to yourself on a level is a luxury to be able to do any of mm-hmm. this because there are plenty of people who don't have the ability to do this because they're in survival mode in a lot of ways. And so right. I think it's all luxurious, but I think what's so important is to take the time to really give yourself the respect to notice what you think about the things that you're absorbing. Because we live, like you mentioned earlier, in a time where there is so much noise. There's so much going on all around us. There's so much we can consume. And if we're not careful, we can just consume stuff and adopt other people's ideas and thoughts and not necessarily take the time to even recognize our own feelings and emotions about things. And we don't want to lose track of ourselves like that. Like we, what we've got in this life, that one secure thing we have is ourself. Mm-hmm. And so I really believe that whatever mode really works for you, for a lot of people, that's just finding quiet time outside in nature for other people. It's, it, a different safe space. A lot of people that happens in conversation. A lot of people happens journaling, but to build that space into your life with regularity 
where you are really thinking about what do I think about X, Y, or Z when it, how it pertains to me, because we can get on autopilot. We can become robotic and not actually be tending to who we are and our unique gifts that then Mm -hmm. can bring more love into the world and positively impact our loved ones, our community, our world in a way that, you know, no one else can. I love that. Today, you are my luxury for this old. And you're mine. I'm so grateful to be here with you. This has been fun. And I just love your spirit and I love your jewelry. And I just, (laughs) I do, I think it's so beautiful and meaningful. And if anyone hasn't read your manifesto yet, they need to go on your website and read that because it's very meaningful. I think everybody should have a manifesto. You know, it's funny. A good friend of mine who's in uh, the creative space has a manifesto. And I then was looking at your manifesto and I had that a very similar thought. I'm like a manifesto, Mm. like, like that's a brilliant thing for all of us to be thinking about. What is, what is your manifesto? I love that. And rewrite it as you evolve. It's a living document, right? It can't be static. That's right. It has to grow with you. Yeah. It's deeper than a bio. It's a, this is, this is what my soul is saying. My bio is like, yeah. Sorry. You were going to say that your bio is what? Bullshit. No. (laughs) (laughs) The bio, the bio tells everybody the things that they need to know, I think, to give you credibility and put you, you know, this is a landmark of who I am in the landscape of humans. But well said. Your, your manifesto, <laughs> though, right? Like, oh, that is who you yeah. are. And I was saying, let's make that one of the exercises in the retreat we do, the self-school retreat we do. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I love, love it. it. You heard it here, everyone. Yeah. You heard it here. That's the seed. Okay. Just got planted. Yeah. And I do have a line of sacred seed necklaces. So, I mean, this is really blossoming into something a lot more than just a conversation here. Let's not stop yeah. thinking about this. Where can people find you, connect with you? Tell us. Oh, I have my own website, which is lindsayherdy.com. Admittedly, mm-hmm. it's newer. And so it, there's going to be an update coming to that soon. Theeverwell.com is the other website. And then theseasonalcircle.com is also the website mm-hmm. if you want to do seasonal circle. So three websites. Also, my Instagram handle is at Lindsay underscore Everwell, L-I-N-D-S-A-Y underscore Everwell, and also at the Everwell. So any of those places uh, we can get connected. I'd love it if you join the newsletter, which there's a link in the bio on either of the Instagrams, and then we can be more connected because the email is really my favorite way to connect with people. Love it. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for inviting me. This was such a joy and I really treasure it. I'm so grateful. If any of our conversation resonated with you, feel free to reach out via email at info at luxuriesforyoursoul.com. We would love it if you showed your support for the show with a five-star review or a social media share so more people find these conversations and have the opportunity to hear from our guests. Also, there are several ways to connect with us outside of the podcast. If you are searching for a personal power object, a good luck charm, or a talisman to shield yourself, I've got you covered. If you have a small business or incubating an idea, you can work with me one-on-one for my consulting service. 
When it comes to design, branding, marketing, and consistency, we all have our blind spots. Yet sometimes we want someone to listen to our ideas or share valuable insights. Contact me if you would benefit from a fresh set of eyes or a brainstorming partner. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button to continue receiving all the luxuries for your soul.